Welcome to the Get It Done Podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Ryan. Today, we're interviewing Cindy Garza. Let's get it done. is brought to you by Shape, the most powerful mortgage software with everything from texting, lead management, a dialer, LOS integrations, and over 5,000 other apps to help LOs take more deals from new lead to closed loan. The Get It Done podcast is sponsored by Team Get It Done. And today we have Cindy Garza. Cindy is the vice president of National Business Development for Union Home Mortgage. She is a speaker, an executive coach, and the CEO of Mortgage Girlfriends. Cindy, welcome to the Get It Done podcast. Hi, Jimmy. Thanks for having me. I am so pumped about this because I told you we met at uh, at Momentum Builder and what an epic event. And I got the chance to hear you speak. And I, I told you, I was like, man, I was on the edge of crime pretty much the whole time that you spoke. Oh. And uh, and you reacted the exact same way because it was on camera. You literally said it exactly like, "Oh, that's oh, that's so." Nice. <laughs> so uh, and we put together some nice little content about it. But I told you you'd be perfect for my show because we like to get into some deep stuff, and um, and I know that it's just going to naturally happen. So the. Get it Done podcast really is all about the come up story. We use Elon Musk as an example. He has a great story of going from uh, a million to a billion, and that's a great story. Awesome. But we're, what we're most focused on is the come up story, the zero to a million story. So the best place to start, Cindy, is where were you born? What, uh, what were your parents like? What were the first uh, few years of your life like? That's a really great place to start. I was born in Lansing, Michigan, and I had parents where at that time my mom didn't really approve of working outside of the home. She was a stay-at-home mom, and so we were blessed with that, and it kind of led me down the path because of that. And my dad was a GM worker and really hard work ethic. Two well, brothers, awesome. great childhood. That's awesome. So Lansing, Michigan. So I mean, I'm I'm in Wisconsin. I would say it's got to be somewhat similar. Oh, yeah. Is Lansing, Lansing's north of Detroit? I actually like. I have a my family would actually vacation to the Sleeping Bear Dunes area every single year. Is that that's not by it? Is it? Is it? Yeah. Is well, that... Lansing's right there, East Lansing MSU campus, right uh, in the middle of the state. Okay, got it. So I, I'm sure you're familiar with with, with, with Sleeping Bear Dunes area. So okay, oh, yeah. if I'm just gonna assume, kind of low key country type suburbs city. type type life, yeah, city life. So yeah. okay, stay at home mom, dad's a G, GM worker, with risk of going too deep too too quick. I think that you're the right person to ask this though. Renee Rodriguez, who is a friend of both of ours, and. Mm -hmm. My, my goodness, I wanted to actually ask you this when we were at, at Momentum Builder, but I, I'm glad that we saved it for right now. He talks about how almost everything that we do in our lives as an adult, our why, really stems from early years of our lives. A lot of times childhood, he likes to say between the ages of 8 and 12. And everything we do is either to honor our past, 
or to heal our past. Cindy, what would you say that you're trying to honor and what are you trying to heal? In my childhood, we had a relative who was a female who did work outside of the home. And so I can remember times going over to her house and just, it was filled with toys and think like she was able to purchase all these material things. Right. And my mom at the time saying, let's take a look at that because it's really hard to find that balance where you can have all these material things, but then have that really strong rooted family. And so it, in a way it was to heal and maybe show that there's a path um, that you can have it all. You can have both. You can have a really strong family and a really strong career, especially as a female. As you know, there's a lot of things where we get asked more about the kids, like who's watching your kids and things like that than a man would. So um, that kind of led me on a journey in my heart. I knew I had the perfect family to help with that because they were so supportive and really helped me to build great roots and confidence, but then also to kind of show my, my family and going forward that you can, you can balance it. There's a way to do it. Who is the relative? It was an aunt of mine. Okay. So she was working and maybe it was a high level job, maybe not. And I was assuming she didn't have any kids. No, she did. She did. Okay. So did, did you see that? I guess, what was the difference in, in your mother's relationship with you compared to your aunt's relationship? Uh, yeah. My mom was very attentive, very involved with everything. And I felt that and um, really appreciated that. But then in my heart, I was thinking, is there maybe like a little less of that? And then we can have that balance. I don't know. And so that's where I really at a very young age made up my mind. I, I want to try and have a great family and a great career. That's absolutely it. I mean, and, and you're absolutely honoring that. What, what would you say you're trying to heal from? Scarcity that there's some of that healing and also thinking that others have that opportunity to have it all and feeling like I'm always striving for it, you know, rather than feeling like, yeah, this is it. This is good. So probably some of that kind of healing. Okay. So said differently, I mean, it's, it, it's like you're trying to get it. And the truth is, I mean, Cindy, you have it, you know, I mean, and, and then just actually being that and, and accepting that. Well, actually, you know, I already do have it, you know, I mean, and, and just being in, in living it. Right. So, okay. So I want to go to high school. So still in Lansing, I, I would, I would assume what, uh, what was high school like? What was your first car? What was your first job? Uh, yeah, high school. I loved, I had went to a private school up until, um, high school and I wanted to be around a lot more multicultural and a lot more people. I felt kind of restrained in the private school. And so that was a big discussion with my parents. So they allowed me to go to the public school. It was Everett high school. It's the high school where Magic Johnson went. He was older, quite a bit older than me, but it was his high school. And there was 800 kids in my graduating class. And I absolutely loved being in that kind of environment and all those people. And my first job, I had a waitress job in maybe my sophomore year, and I did not like that at all. 
my parents were big on like you, this isn't your time to work. This is your time to enjoy school and stuff. And so I appreciate that. But then in my junior year, I got a job at a really prominent law firm in town. And I was really excited about that. And it taught me a lot. It taught me a lot. And I remained, well, let me just back this up for a minute. While I was at that job, I thought, I want to be an attorney. This is great. Like, I love what they're doing and they're helping people and they're taking care of um, different family matters. But they were also high profile criminal attorneys. And I kind of enjoyed a little bit of that drama at that time. And so I thought, I, I want to be an attorney. And um, I can share a little bit about that as we went on. <laughs> I, I bet. I mean, at least you had something to want and strive for. I think that a lot of people, especially at that age, are like, I, I, you know, I just want to get out of school, do it. Like, I'm going to figure it out, I guess, type of a thing. And I mean, yeah. I'm sure your parents were thrilled that you wanted to be an attorney. I mean, my oh, yeah, they were. And I was like, this is that career. This is that career I want. So, okay. So you, so you set, set foot down that path. Did you do any sports or anything in high school? I didn't. I did get my letter for academics, but I didn't do any sports. I'm not a sports person. You know, and we actually talked about that, but <laughs> like when, when there's, you know, there's executives or whatever, generally men is what you, what you were talking about. When they're talking in the corner, you're like, man, I want to be a part of that conversation. But then you figured out they're all talking about sports it's and all they talk about. And 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 I I relate to you on this. Like I generally I'm I'm not the biggest sports fan. I find it actually to be, look I'll be entertained to go to a game. Don't get me wrong. But right. I generally find it to be a waste of time. And I'd rather be hanging out with the mortgage girlfriends. There you, know? you go. We want you there. <laughs> so okay. So you uh, get academic uh, letter. That's great. Graduate high school. After that, did you know what you wanted to do? after high school, like 100% in the sense that like, I'm going to this school, I'm going to study this type of attorney law, or uh, walk us through your next uh, phase of life. Yeah, so started at the community college, wanted to then, you know, move on to my four year degree from there, but definitely wanted it to be law. And I thought I could go to the community college and get my basics done. And that's where I started to doubt myself right away. In that who did I think I was that I could walk into a courtroom and compete against these guys that I just have the utmost respect for and they just kill it in a courtroom. And I'm thinking, I what if I had to go up against them or even down that rabbit hole of I'm working with them and I have to be equivalent to them. They're just all that self-doubt came in. And so I, I definitely changed my course to business. And I did not um, finish college at that time. I just started, I worked in law firms um, as a secretary and got a great job at IBM at the time. That was a really good job. And I hated it. And <laughs> so I uh, started selling real estate. Okay, wait. So, all right. So, secretary at a law firm. Then you worked at. It's, you said GE or, or um, IBM or IBM. I mean, my goodness, another just just huge company and hated it. I love these stories particularly because, I mean, if you if you just stand back and you look at it, law school, law firms, IBM. I mean, 
real estate. I mean, there's just no way I'm sorry that your parents were on board with that and or anybody that would maybe advise you. So I guess, how did you fall into it? What was like, what was the course of actions that made it to, that got you into selling real estate? Well, at that time you had like the newspapers, <laughs> there wasn't social media. And I was like, it seems like these people are kind of creating their own path of success. And I want to be in control of that. I don't want somebody else controlling it. I don't want it so constrained like it was at, at that time, IBM. I don't know what it's like. If it's even around now. And so my, no, everyone was supportive. Um, my parents were really supportive and wow. I started selling real estate right away and had good luck with, it. I loved it. Like I loved the people and being around them and wanted to kind of be that local person in my market that kind of ran with it. I was really young at the time, but I had a really good run with it. I enjoyed it. You you just literally saw the paper and like, I'm just going to do this. Did you, did, did anybody inspire you to follow in their footsteps? I didn't know anyone in real estate at that time. And I just, it was really a burning desire. Like I want to build a career, not just a job. I want a career. And um, later on, you know, I got my brother into it and he owned several companies. My mom became really like we pulled in the whole fam. But wow. uh, at that time, no, it was just going in green. And I I had a great trainer. And I remember she said, whenever you meet with somebody, you never ask, you know, what kind of house they want. You ask how many. And I took that and like, yeah, let's let's build a portfolio. And so we we had a, I learned a lot in that, but stayed close at that time with those attorneys that I worked with and they kind of were mentoring me a little bit and saying, go with this company. And so that was a nice relationship I had kept. Well, that's awesome. So, I mean, it kind of, I'm sure you got business referrals out of that. And I mean, a lot of times people just starting out, they're starting with zero and like no connections, no nothing. Right. I mean, to have connections in a law firm, that's, I mean, you, you at least have a leg up and then bringing the whole family in it. How long were you, how long were you a realtor for? I was only in it for, I think three or four years and I would see the loan officers coming around all the time and got to know them. And it just felt at that time that there was a level of respect that was just given to people in finance. And I was, had just gotten married and thought that could probably be a little more flexible with the work hours. That seems like more day than nights and weekends. And so I uh, reached out to a local bank and pestered them until they hired me. It was one that I heard at that time was hiring. It was Flagstar Bank at the time, but it was before they were named Flagstar. It was First Security Savings at the time. And I wow. heard that they would hire new people, new to the industry. And so I just... I called them probably for three months straight asking for a job and then got it. <laughs> that's really cool. And I mean, it's, and I actually have a flag star loan on my second home in Florida. So that's like, it's kind of cool that that's, uh, that, that you're saying, I didn't know that they were called first security savings at that. Yeah. At we had a contest to name it and uh, somebody, I think in Texas won the contest picking flag star bank is the name. <laughs> that's like the start of like, the life where you're you're kind of at right now it led you to that so you're married you i'm sure have aspirations to have kids and you're like okay you know the loan officer life seems super easy i mean 
did did you find it to be not that? Did you what what, what were your what were your challenges moving forward? I absolutely loved it. The challenge was there wasn't a lot of training. And so that's where I think I really found a lot through personal development with books and different things that are available to help me with the training. So I had really, I had mentioned this at the conference you and I were at, is I really wanted to be in the top 10. And so that was my goal. And at that time, my branch manager, who God rest her soul, was a day drinker, an everyday drinker. But she was just a wizard with the knowledge. And so I would get up really early and ask her to meet me at the office because I knew if I, if we made it, if we got past the lunch hour, I wasn't sure of the info she was giving me. <laughs> I mean, it, it, by the way, I, I, when I heard you tell that story, I was just like, my goodness, how many of us grew up that way in the industry with just like, and here you're in Michigan, I'm in Wisconsin. It's got, it's, it's right. What else do we do? If it, if, well, you're right. If it's not the same, it's worse here in Wisconsin. I mean, there's actually, there's an advertisement where like only in Wisconsin do they sell 30 packs of beer. Like that's, it's only exists in, 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 in like the Midwest. So your manager's a day drinker, but you're more so like, look, you got to teach me how to do this. And you're wise enough to know that you got to come in in the morning to do that. Mm-hmm. What, when did it click for you? Like you, you just start, when did, when do you th- feel, when do you think that you actually like, okay, I got this. I had sold real estate before. So I felt like I kind of had an advantage to know how they feel. And like, when you don't get the calls or you're not sure where everything's at in the process. So I really had built some great relationships inside the real estate company I was at. And it was one of the largest ones in town. And so I just really set up my focus there. It was before I had children. So it was really easy to spend a lot of time with them and really continue to foster those relationships. And it, it paid off. And I could see where, you know, at that time you'd write the the sale on the board and I would look at their board and see all their sales. I'm like, I got that one, I got that one, I got that one. So that felt, that was a good moment in my career. It was probably in my pretty early on first or second year. And, uh, there was a contest. I just remembered this. There was a contest and you would get like a marketing allowance. Every time you locked a loan, you would get entered into this contest. And I really wanted that contest because I wanted that money to be able to spend it back on my referral sources. And I had won that contest. And I think that gave me a leg up. I think it was like $6,000 and you could expense like a thousand a month. And wow. it just at that time was really more than enough to help me get the jump I needed. I mean, everything sounds sounds so hunky dory, uh, Cindy. I mean, it, my goodness. It, you know, I I don't mean it to sound like that. That was it wasn't ever easy, but I really loved it. Like I love the people. It wasn't. I never there wasn't a day at that time that I didn't look forward to going in the off. Like I loved the thrill, like I'm finally building that career that I like. And so there was, you know, the deals that didn't go or they went sideways. I probably wasn't the most technical loan officer, but learned that later on. So at that time, it it maybe did feel a little hunky dory. 
But how cool is that? I mean, because I think that especially right now for a lot of loan officers, they hate it. I mean, that's the truth that a lot of loan officers hate it. And why? Well, because money isn't falling from the skies right now. I mean, it's just not. And I think that a lot of loan officers are going to work and they hate it. And, and, And just listening to your story, what I'm hearing is that like, look, I had great relationships with people and like I, I would I would assume that these realtors were your good friends and you're not just working with, you know, people that you hate or calling 40 realtors on a Monday. No, I'm calling on my friends. Exactly. Yep. And some of them are still my friends today. Like they're just good people. And that's uh, something I really like to coach on is you pick those people who you want to be around and you don't have to be that chameleon. There's a, there was a whole group of those agents where they probably weren't in my tribe. And so that they weren't the ones I was spending that marketing money on. It's the ones that I really did connect and enjoy to be around. I mean, and that, and that just kind of reminds me of, of a Todd Duncan ism that he was talking about actually at, at Momentum Builder is that he's like, I, I just, how about you just go really, really deep with a small group of people rather than just be so thin and and wide and, and, and with, with 40 people and be, I love what you say a chameleon. Cause I actually asked a, a realtor one time about what his superpower is that I'm a chameleon. I fit into everywhere. I'm like, wow, that just. And now that I'm thinking about it right in context of this, it's like, how short-sighted is that? And how empty is that? And it it's cool, Cindy, because I think that, I think where a lot of people start out being kind of the fake person, you were almost, ne- I would say you never were that. You were always, I feel like you'd even like, here, we're going to cry together. Like this is going to, we're going right. to, you know, we're going to be giving each other hugs and that's the way I do it. And if you don't like that, well, sorry, that's my barrier to entry. Right. And it was, yeah, I agree with you, Jimmy. It was a lot of those relationships and it was never like, can you send me business? It was, let's meet this afternoon and figure out a way we can grow our business. And I remember, you know, Barry Habib talked about this at Momentum Builder, but we did the same thing. We would call it instead of cold calling, let's go cold walking. Let's take all of our flyers and go downtown and hand it into every government building we can and meet everyone we we can possibly think of. And let then let's go into really nice neighborhoods and meet them. Where does the governor live? Let's go to that neighborhood. And so we were always just making it fun to grow both of our businesses where it wasn't so formal. It was really, let's do this together. Yeah. Let's build a business together. Wow. And that's just such mm-hmm. a great, a great attitude. And I see why so many people look up to you for coaching, because I mean, that's, that's really what it's all about. I think that that you're talking about fulfillment, really. I mean, it, it, it people do it su- in such an empty way. Hey, you know, I'll cover your marketing costs. We'll pay for you know, some Zillow Zillow leads together, which is, which by the way, there's, if you're a realtor, there's a line out the door of loan officers that want to do that and pay that bill. And like, wouldn't you rather have somebody go cold walking with you and trying to find the governor? Right. Or if you want to do Zillow, let's figure it out together. Right. What does that look like? How are we going to piece this together? How are we going to hold each other accountable? Where's the ROI for both of like, it becomes so much more collaborative than, than feeling inferior and like, I'll just pay that. And you send me business and that's easy. It's never easy. 
it, 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 it's, it, it's transactional versus relational. I mean, that, it, it, and, and, and what are you actually building? And in here, are you working with somebody that you would invite to your wedding that you would invite that you would share a win with that's not real estate related? Is it somebody that, you know, you, you'd want your kids to know, you know, or is it someone that you're just working with? It's just, and there's a huge difference between that. It might be subtle, but that's huge. You start your real, your, your, your mortgage career, your things are going great. I mean, you're already basically, you're crushing it. So walk us to having kids. So I have to imagine that having kids at, I'm here, I'm not a woman. I am an honorary mortgage girlfriend, but I have to imagine having kids changes the game a lot. And I think I, I'm sure for the better long term, but walk us through having kids being a loan officer. Yeah. I immediately thought you, you said it just a couple minutes ago, it was pretty easy. Everything was hunky dory. And then I had kids and I'm like, wow, I kind of got this figured out. Like I can balance work and kids. And, you know, I shared with you that the day I took my daughter to my friend's house. She was the babysitter, my good friend from middle school on who I trusted and um, was running in with the car seat to drop her off. And she said, just go, just go. I was running late and she's like, I got her, I got her and got to the office and my appointment canceled. So I just stayed a little while and did some paperwork and then head back. I was heading back to get her. And when I arrived at the house, I'll never forget that day. I walked up on the steps and it was like a glass storm door and there was the car seat. And I'm thinking, okay. And then my daughter was still sitting in the car seat. And I don't know that, you know, it was 30 years ago, but it still burns in my brain. And it had to be for a couple hours. And it wasn't like she was sleeping. Like she was awake in that chair and my friend wasn't around. And I just picked her up and called my husband. And I'm like, I'm going to change my hours. I'm going to work eight to 12 every single day. You're going to have to work nights and evenings because I don't want, I don't trust her in daycare with somebody other than family until she can tell us what's going on. And when she can speak, it's a little different. So he's a, a big family man. My husband is, we've been married 32 years, almost I don't know how many, a lot. <laughs> and um, congratulations. That's thank that's you. Quite and 35, 35 years this year. And uh, he's wow. like, absolutely. At that time, it was hard because we didn't have mobile apps and the internet and everything to send. Everything was face to face at that time. And all my relationships were built on things we did face to face. And so I literally had to just change my whole business model. And I didn't want my production to suffer because of that. So I really mastered time management. And to this day, I still use it. I created a planner around it because it's so key. We have so much more capacity than we realize. And we waste so much time thinking and worrying about things that are what if scenarios rather than what's really going on. And so um, I did that. And what I found is that I created demand for myself. And that was kind of cool. And it was just a byproduct of really doubling down on making use of my hours and mail out packages and but really still trying to give that feeling. And so when COVID hit, it was kind of interesting and everybody flipped to the 
the tech side, I'm like, this is easy. Just set up the appointment, the Zoom call and walk it through. Like you have that advantage because it just kind of all came back. This is how I pivoted at that time. And it, and it worked for me. But um, like I had said, when, when I had my daughter, and I think this is common, we just develop maybe some extra empathy skills and you start noticing, and it's almost like you're thinking, hey, my kids are going to be in the workforce at some day, some point, and how are they going to be treated? And that's when I really noticed, Jimmy, that she's there's a need for leadership. At that time, when I had my daughter, the, the manager I had was the one who kind of made corporate aware of the day drinker. So then she became the manager, and she was really just an horrific leader and did some things to really hurt people. And I don't think it was intentional. I just think maybe that's how she thought how you should lead. I kind of thought at that time, like, I really need to go into leadership. And I feel like I could help a lot of people and I could have a lot of fun with that. And even like simple things when somebody was being terminated, why does that have to be such a horrific experience? Why can't that be like, an awakening of maybe some new opportunities and talk that through rather than, you know, mad at them and them mad at you. Like it can, there's so many different ways to handle everything in the day to day as leaders to help people grow, even if it's not growing together. I mean, hundred percent. It reminds me of a Ed Milet quote is that your kids are going to figure you out someday. You tell your kids that, you know, you could be a leader, you could be this, you could be that, you could be all of these great things. Oh yeah, well, why aren't you mom and dad? Mm -hmm. And it just, I mean, it's one of those ones where just like, it just yeah. like totally hits you. And as, a, as I've, I'm blessed with a son and a daughter, so I, I get, I, I get both. I get the empathy though for, it, it's, it's really for my son and my daughter. It's like, it, there really is, there's a great huge need for, Gosh, I think it's just moms and dads in, in a lot of ways, but you kind of learn how to be a great leader because you care so much about your kids. Right. Where are they headed? What are they going to do? And in order to lead them, parent them, you have to be a good leader. And that's hard because you have to confront your own weaknesses, your own insecurities, your own childish things and character defects. And you have to do something about it. And I love how you said that, you know, I can help a lot of people. I think that's that's where leadership starts is right there. It's not, I can boss a bunch of people around. I can make a bunch of money off of all these minions. No, it's, I can help a lot of people. Yeah. And they need it. They, they need it more than um, we realize. And just, it, it was interesting to see it from like peer to peer, how just a comment can really wreck their day or how a compliment can really kind of give them that little lift to maybe make that call a little better and really focusing on their strengths rather than their weaknesses. And it was just, you know, just kind of naturally went into that. Mary Ellen Sheets, she owns two men in a truck and she's a dear friend of mine. She's her, her kids own it now. And she said the one thing that took her business from, you know, just average to, international was she had all her salespeople go through empathy training, the same empathy training that the suicide hotline does. 
Wow. I mean, powerful. Yeah. And what a difference yeah. it makes. Yeah. So, okay. We're, you're, you're, you're coming along and I want to, I want to talk about, I want to talk about the letter that your daughter wrote. Cause I just think it's such an impactful story and I would, I would hate to not get that on here. So, um, I want to, just to set it up, you're, you're having a, you're, you're super, you're mega successful as a loan officer I, and everybody around would give you that even your daughter, but you were driving with her in the car and this is, she's, she's much older at this point and can talk, you know, she's not in a, in a car seat. What was the letter about? What was the talk about? Well, do you care if I go back just a little bit to share something with you before that? Please, please. So, yeah, I definitely took the career in leadership and went on to executive level in that. And I went to a conference and I kept thinking in the back of my head, I'm going to, when I retire, I want to start a coaching company. I want to do this. I want to do that. When I retire, like I have some great ideas when I retire. And I went to this conference and I was walking out and I said to my husband, let's just do a, a brain dump on everything I want to do when I retire. And he's like, okay. And I got an alert on my phone and those attorneys that I worked for that I changed my whole career path for, remember, because I couldn't compete with them were all arrested for the largest human trafficking drug ring in the United States. Oh my God. And so it honestly, Jimmy, at that moment, I was like, I have played small. I have not shined my light as bright as I can. I've let others kind of persuade which way I was going to go because I didn't think I could compete or hold, you know, stand toe to toe with. And so it was at that moment, I'm like, I got to start doing some things right now. Why do I feel like I have to wait till I retire? We do have more capacity. And so what are some things I could do? And so at that time, I started the coaching program and stuff. But what was interesting is my daughter, I was feeling a certain way for about a year. And I couldn't put my finger on it. And so she had asked me to go for a ride the car and then we get in the car and she's like, I wrote you a letter because I don't want to miss anything. And this is my youngest daughter. So I have two daughters. This, this was my youngest daughter. And she said, you need to change your identity and you need to thank the woman that got you to where you are right now. Thank her, but she needs to leave now and you need to let this new woman emerge. And she's got a lot more in her and you've been given to everybody my whole life. All I see is you giving, 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 but you're not taking care of you. You're just focusing on what you can do for others every single day. And she's like, it's really like, I've learned a lot from that. And I respect that. But just think about if you started taking care of you, the way you take care of others. And we just sat in the car and cried and- I wish I would have kept that letter. I didn't, but we talk about it a lot and she was so right. And at that time I'm like, what do you even mean? Let go of my identity. But it, she was so right in that sometimes we just hold on to our identity for so long because that's who we think we are, but it's okay to let a new improved version of you out where you are taking care of you. And so I started eating healthier, going to Pilates, but it was much deeper than that. It was the thoughts I told myself, you know, like 
you can't compete with these attorneys. You can't compete. And I had to learn how to reprogram my subconscious mind. I went through neuro-linguistic program, all these things to really help. And it's just been a blast. And then even recently, this is so crazy. I had shared I had lost my mom and my brother recently. And that's just been so hard. And my dad's been really sick with it. And um, my other daughter, I love my two daughters. They're just amazing women, very successful entrepreneurs. She's like, why don't you just lighten the load a little? You love social media. And why don't you just focus on your clothes and your fan and like lighten up a little bit for while you're grieving. And it was like the best advice at that time. And what happened, Jimmy, is I started doing that. And then more women started connecting with me. Mortgage Girlfriends is growing by leaps and bounds just because I showed more of my true self. So I encourage like whoever's feeling that way, if you're feeling that way, like it's okay to thank yourself for where you're at and move on and become like a better version every single year of yourself. I told my mother about you and I said, you know, you have to look at, look at it. And I think she looked at one of your stories and she said, oh yeah, she's putting on these different clothes. She's doing this. Stuff. Even my mother, like I swear that. So, I mean, you're mentioning that and you're so right. I, I, I talk to people a lot about social media, Cindy, and this isn't about me, but I just, I just, just, just to say it is that I think a lot of people like here, you're not going to get somebody to work with you with a seller paid closing cost video or a two, one buy down video or a, or a, anything to do with mortgage at all. Like I'm a loan officer, you know that. How about you like me because I like star Wars or I, you know, happen to like to like, for I, I, I have more people watching my story because I feed the birds and I do a little documentary of it. And like, here's a cardinal. Did you know that they mate for life with their bird? Anyway, you're talking about clothes. And I love that stuff because you want to know what? You are shining when you are doing that. It's just like the truest you comes out. That's what somebody buys from. They don't buy from you because you happen to be a loan officer. They buy from you because they know you like you and trust you. It's the most simplest right. thing. And I could have a whole hour about that. But I just I want to come back to the to, to, to your daughter. Is that how old was she when she when she said this to you? Oh, this was recent. <laughs> okay. So, she, so she's got to be mid-20s. How wise is your mid-20s daughter? Oh. My goodness. She is. Yeah, she's definitely, they both are just incredible women and so fun to be around. And, um, but yeah, they've helped me a lot. You know, it's like you get the, you have the children and you want to focus on leadership and you feel like that's entered your life and you don't think about how much you end up learning from them all through. Like they start teaching us. <laughs> it's okay. I, I, I want to talk there. There's, Four questions to ask everybody. I want to get to those, but before I do, I want to ask you about mortgage girlfriends. So, how do you take an existing brand and all of a sudden you now you now are, are have mortgage girlfriends? Yeah. So when COVID hit, in my mind, I knew like there's always opportunities when there's big tragic things going on. And I had went to the mortgage girlfriends conference the year before, and I wrote myself a note, and I wrote you need to purchase mortgage girlfriends within one year. And I just kind of felt the energy there. Like this needs to, we can really take it to the next level. So I called the owner at that time and I asked her if she had thought about selling it. And she's like, it's so I just called a broker today. 
And so I purchased at that time and my attorney advised me, he's like, whenever you buy a membership website, you're going to lose people. I'm like, no, no, we're not going to lose people. We lost people. And I kind of veered from my normal self and I decided to become that chameleon we talked about. And I wanted to appease everybody in there. And then it just, it was too much. And I'm like, I just gotta, we're going to lose some people and that's okay. I have to do it the way I want to do it and the way I see it could help other women. And I've been part of women's groups before where you didn't feel part of it. It felt, it felt judgy and different things. And I really wanted an inclusive environment where people felt uplifted and happy and bring that in. So we just had our conference and I would say this was our third one. And we finally have that group in that, that want to grow, are optimistic, want to be good leaders. But inside the site, I think there's three different groups running. There's ones that are just starting their career and they really need that mentoring and the lift from the other women. There's the middle ones that are just ready to go. They want to climb that corporate ladder. They want to get into more leadership. What can they offer to their team? And the third one is they got, they say 10, maybe seven years left in the business and they're scared. They're scared that maybe they didn't save enough money. Can they do this forever? And there's that fear that they don't want to admit. And so we're really working on ways to help them build organic revenue sources as well. So we kind of have three tracks going in it and we're having fun. It's growing. It's, um, you know, a membership website, but there's a community in there. I mean, absolutely. I know a lot of people that are a part of it and everybody says I would describe it in a, in a, just what you're saying, it's a community and, mm -hmm. and it's people that are for each other. And if that's what you're looking to, to create, you have absolutely done that. And that's, um, and that's quite an accomplishment. So there's a couple of questions that I ask everybody and I want to make sure that I get these out. So the first one's this, <laughs> do you feel like you ever got a big break? I feel like I got several. I got a great family growing up that helped me feel very confident and secure, like always supported my decisions. I didn't feel like I had to fight them on any of that. I feel like I got a great husband that really also supported my dreams and where I wanted to go and gave me great advice all the way. I feel like I got a great break with having good kids. We say that all the time. Like, how do we get such great kids? Um, good in-laws, good grandsons. So the family piece, that's a big break. And then also certain things happened. I think, you know, maybe not having great leaders at the beginning of my career was a big lift because it helped me to know like, this is what I don't want to be and how much we need it. A lot of people I worked with along the way, you know, Bill Cosgrove, he's the CEO of Union Home Mortgage, and he's just been an incredible mentor to me, helping me, pushing me before I'm ready on certain things, which gave me confidence, letting me, you know, just kind of run my own thing and build regions and stuff. But then also being, I think it's pretty unique that a corporation is supportive of me having other endeavors while there and just really supportive of that. I, I don't even, I don't know another one. I mean, I uh, truly. Yeah. Um, okay. Next question. If you were to do it all over again, Cindy, what would you change? I would have started to work on believing in myself earlier. It literally was 
that day I saw that with the attorneys that I'm like, are you kidding me? So I wish I would have, I think there's more awareness around it now. And like, you got to believe in you. And, you know, I read Think and Grow Rich and all that, but I didn't get the secret. And now I feel like I know the secret. I wish I would have known that early on. But also, it's been a pretty nice ride. Absolutely. Well, I mm -hmm. love that. Great questions. Thank you for it such is. a nice interview. You're well, really good at this. Like, well, I wish I could dive in and start with you at high school. Well, we well, got to do that. <laughs> I, well, okay. Well, I, 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 I'd, I'd absolutely, I'd love to come on Mortgage Girlfriends and, and, and do something. So, um, but look, we got, we have, we have two more questions. Was there ever a time, Cindy, you felt like giving up? Yeah. During COVID, the hours worked. I think that really took a toll. I'm, as you can see, I'm very big into my family and there was a lot of time away from the family. At that point, I was ready to kind of throw it all in. I'm glad that I was able just to speak up and kind of change my role and um, have my voice for that. But yeah, that was a, that was a tough year. I think for a lot of people, and um, that was probably one of the, my toughest ones. Okay, Cindy, the final question to set it up. There's a young Cindy out there. Maybe they grew up in Lansing, Michigan. <laughs> Maybe they're interning at a, turn, in a, a law firm and they're thinking, who do you think you are? Maybe they're looking at other LOs and they carry so much respect and uh, they, you want that type of a career. Maybe they have aspirations to be in that top 10. Maybe they're dealing with a manager who's a day drinker, <laughs> a horrible leader. Maybe they see their daughter that's still in the car seat hours later. Maybe they're thinking, you know, I can help a lot of people. What advice would you give to someone looking to get it done? I would say talk to a mentor. Some of that accountability is big. I would say start journaling what you want your ideal day to look like. Something that kind of helped me along the way was a lot of times when we're business planning, success planning, we think about that year. I tried to map out five years and then go backwards. And what is what do I want it to look like? And then what if I didn't change anything? I asked myself that. So it's a lot of self-reflection constantly invest in yourself, reading, listening, your podcast, like all these things can really, really help you. But then the biggest thing is start looking for strength in people and you'll pull a lot of strength inside you. It's so easy to find fault when you start seeing their gifts. That's when it's really fun. Cindy, I love that. All right. Uh, what a excellent show. Uh, I want to, I want to thank our audience for, for joining us today. And I especially want to thank uh, you, Cindy, for, for coming on. And uh, if anybody wanted to reach out to connect with you, Cindy, what would be the best way for them to do so? Well, I love social media. Um, so the, I'm on Instagram a lot. You can message me there. My Instagram handle is Cynthia, C-Y-N-T-H-I-A-D for Don Garza, G-A-R-Z-A. Uh, or you can email me at Cindy and it's C-Y-N-D-I at mortgagegirlfriends.com. 
Art, that's awesome. And we'll put links to that and uh, the spelling of everything in the uh, podcast description. And uh, all right, this has been the Get It Done podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. And if you've enjoyed the show, you've taken some value from today. Hey, can you do me a favor? Can you open up Apple Podcasts, scroll the way down to the bottom and maybe, you know, tap that five star. It takes like two seconds. That would be really awesome of you. Uh, share this with a friend. Uh, subscribe. That would be all that would all be awesome. Um, all right. I, this is Jimmy Ryan and this has been the Get It Done podcast. Thanks so much for listening. 